I have the privilege of introducing a young man who came in on staff and uh, was involved leading our tech ministry. Uh, and the highest compliment I can get Stephen is that he reminded me a lot of Pastor John. Pastor John came in at a young age after marrying Chris and started getting involved in ministry. The Lord took him through a path and eventually into full-time ministry and eventually to here to lead our church. But what is common to these two guys is their uh, enthusiasm, their passionate heart for God, their really sincere desire to have the best ministry possible. And so Stephen was here and he came and said, look, I really believe the Lord's put on my heart to plant a church in Texas. And so uh, we uh, just encouraged him to follow the Lord. And he went down and he started a church and ate good Texas food and met good Texas people. And uh, that's all that's there. Oh, I said that already. And today he leads uh, uh, a campuses, three campuses. God was on that leading and guiding. And so we are honored tonight to have Stephen come as our guest. And I know that many of you know him, but would you just give him a good Colorado welcome? Jubilee Fellowship Church, how are you doing tonight? Y'all doing all right? Greetings from the United States of Texas. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, you definitely have a better view. You definitely have a better view and the air is better here. It's just too humid where I am. We're sweating all the time. Super excited to be here. You know, um, I was talking with Pastor John as we were kind of putting this together in this trip and I started thinking about these three significant moments in my life. The first moment was when a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, decided to send a bus an hour and a half away to a rural town called Manfred, Oklahoma. I was one of the kids that hopped on that bus. My dad left when I was five, left my mom with my twin sister and my older brother all alone in this rural town. I was just looking to get out. I got on the bus. She pushed me on the bus just to get me out. Little would I know that I would meet Jesus in that church. Eric Lawson would lead me to Christ. I would begin to be planted in that church. And that brings me to the second milestone. Never underestimate the power of what God can do through your faithfulness. Never underestimate it. I was 11 years old when I gave my life to Christ. I tested everybody for two years because I didn't trust anybody, meet any kids like that. I finally gave my life to Christ. I was adopted at the age of 11 by the Martin family, whom I took their name later, uh, several years later. I was raised up in that church. A man by the name of Willie George in Tulsa, Oklahoma, taught me the Bible. There's a few people who know Pastor George, still a good friend today. And as amazing as that was, all of those seeds of God's word put into my heart. The third milestone was Jubilee Fellowship Church. I remember walking in and I wasn't sure if I was even going to stay in ministry. I wasn't sure what God had. My wife believed with all of her heart she married a pastor. I thought it was the devil lying to her. Come on. <laughs> I came through these doors just going to church. And the first person that I met when I walked in was Pastor Terry Hilgers. He saw that I was a guest. And this is a trick for all of you who want to welcome guests. Guests always come through the front door. And the first thing they do is they look up. That's how you know they're looking around. They're guests. He saw me do that. He pulled me inside. Within two weeks, I was serving communion to the people of God. Within another two weeks, I was on staff as the tech director. 
And as Pastor Kyle, our executive pastor, can attest, I can barely operate a cell phone. I'm serious. I was given a chance to lead. I didn't have a lot of knowledge. I didn't have certainly not a lot of wisdom, but I had lots of energy for which Pastor Terry took it to the chest over and over and over again. Pastor John and Chris Leach gave me an opportunity to lead. Without the greenhouse of this church, nothing that God is doing in central Texas, we're right outside of Fort Hood, could be happening. It's unbelievable what God's doing. We have three locations. We're celebrating our 10th birthday. Yeah, and it's true. Um, you, everybody does get old. I didn't believe that when I was younger, but you can be getting old, but you can't be old. Come on, come on, you just can't, you can't. This place really gave me a shot. And I wanted to talk for just a few minutes before I jump into a message that I believe is really, really gonna bless you as you go into the new year. You know, uh, the covenant name of God, there are many names for God, but the covenant name, or you could call it the family name of God, is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know in scripture, that's God's favorite name because anytime God wants to get something through to you, he repeats himself. All the parents in here, you know what I'm talking about. You just keep saying it over and over again and that's emphasis and that's what God does with this name. It's a family name. I want you to think about that for just a moment. It's the family name of God. Every healthy family is three generations. It's always three. It's unhealthy when it's one or two, but it's always healthy when it's three. You have children, you have parents, and you have grandparents. All three of them are incredibly necessary. As people give their life to Christ. They need parents to raise them, to put up with them. Pastor Terry was that for me in this place. This place was my family home as I grew up and into ministry. But you also need grandparents. And I wanna say just a few things before I jump into my message. I wanna talk first of all to the kids. You know the kids. You can identify them because they know everything but have experienced nothing, come on. Can I just tell you, I was the best senior pastor until I became one. <laughs> pastor John and Chris Leach put up with so much stuff. You have no idea the amount of seeds this church has planted. And it is not easy to take chances on young, driven, obnoxious leaders. It's not. We're like wild horses, right? That just, that just have to be like, you know, we, we just have to be maintained and contained. And, and that energy has to be directed. But man, it is not without bumps and bruises along the way. Here's what I would say to every young person in here. You're not as smart as you think. You're not as, small, as smart as you think. And the, and the Bible says that God draws near to the humble. He's, he gives grace to the humble. You want God to do something great in your life? Stay humble. Open your ears. There's a reason why God gave you two ears and one mouth. Come on. It's important. I want to talk just a few moments, though, about those of you that have followed Jesus for a long time. You've been faithful day in and day out. I know when you look at culture, when you see everything going on in our world, it's tempting to think to yourself that you're not needed. You're certainly not appreciated the older you get, but just because you're not appreciated doesn't mean you are not absolutely needed, especially today. You give stability. You're those oaks that when the storm comes, you're providing shade and cover to all of us parents and children. It is so important that you take your job seriously. And what I wanna do before we jump in here is I wanna just take a moment. You know, when you're here all the time, you experience this great place and what a facility. Give it up for the team here, the worship, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And coming in from the outside, I know something that maybe you don't know or maybe you've forgotten. This is not normal. It's not normal. It's very, very special. And it took a man and a woman to leave 
to parachute plant this church from the other side of town. And it took them being faithful day in and day out. And the Bible says to give honor where honor is due. So before I go any further, can we give it up for your pastors, Pastor Chris, Pastor John and Chris Leach? Come on, man. Super honored to be here. Before I get into my message, I'm gonna get there. I wanna introduce the best part of my story. When I left this state, I had one uh, nine-month-old nine daughter. I think I have a family picture here. This is the best part of my story. I know, you guys are all, if you knew how much sin I had to commit to get this perfect picture, I was threatening, okay? I was, I mean, I was like coercing, I was bribing. I mean, there's all kinds of graft in this picture. Uh, That's my beautiful family. That's my wife. We're going to be celebrating 20 years married this summer. Yep, she's a lot smarter than us, uh, than me. Well, probably all of us, actually. She's a physician. She actually went to medical school. That's what brought us to Denver. She went to medical school at Rocky Vista University in uh, Parker, Colorado. She also joined the military. And so of the 20 years, I've been a proud army wife for 11 years. Come on. She's so smart. So incredible. You'll see our oldest daughter, Adeline, she's 11. Uh, Our second daughter, Breland, she is absolutely incredible. She just turned seven. And don't let those glasses fool you. She is full of mischief. She loves to set fires just to see the reflection of the flames in her glasses. She is absolutely amazing. And then we have our two boys. We have Grayson and Colton. Grayson just turned five and Colton just turned three. Man, family is what it's all about. You know, the Bible gives us three metaphors for the church. And I love the word of God. That's what we're going to talk about today, because I believe your ability to see the patterns or the templates of scripture is going to lead to either your success this year or your failure. failure. Regardless of what's going on around you in culture, it's going to be the most important thing uh, to your life and your success in 2024. The word of God says that you are a stone in what God is building. You're a part of it. You're not the cornerstone. Remember, the scripture says that's Jesus. Don't think too highly of yourself, but don't think too lowly either. The Bible goes on to say that you are also a part of a body, meaning that you're part of a team. Everything that you do, no matter how insignificant, matters in the body of Christ. When you disconnect yourself as a part of the body from the body, what happens? You die, you decay. Your best, even in this imperfect body of Christ, your best when you're connected to the body. But more than any of that, the word of God says that you are a member of God's family. That just like God builds your family, he also builds you up spiritually into this greater family that is the local church. This is how we say it at Vintage Church. We say it this way, spirit is thicker than blood. That's what the word of God says. The spirit that unites us is so much greater. Everyone say greater. It's so much greater than anything the enemy can throw at us to divide us. We've got to keep that in our mind and our heart this year. What I want to do this year for the next few moments as the last message of 2023, I want to just encourage you uh, to stick close to the word. I think more than anything, the longer that we follow Christ, sometimes the things that aren't the main things take the main things position. And sometimes we can get confused. We have all of this information. It's coming at us a hundred miles an hour and we're just not even sure. Sometimes we just put our hands over our ears, put our heads down and just freeze. But that's not what God's called us to do in this time, in this place. I often remind our church that as they're praying and they're reading about these incredible men and women in the Bible, right? You're seeing David, the giant slayer. Come on. Remember Moses, right? If you don't remember Moses, you remember Charlton Heston. Come on. Let my people go. All these incredible people, Joshua, all of these incredible leaders, they did incredible things. Man, wouldn't it be great if they were here today? 
Then I look at our church and I go, tough luck. The Bible says in Hebrews, they're up in heaven. They did what God called them to do uniquely in their time and place, just like God looked from the beginning of time and saw you, everyone say me, saw you right where you are, right where you are. And he knew that you would be the perfect people to put in this time and place. And as we go into 2024, what I'd like to do for the next few moments is just help you re-clarify, re-center, because throughout the year, we tend to get tossed around. And how many of you know, an inch off is no big deal with a few feet, but when you're two or three miles away, that distance is a really, really big deal. What we need this year is clarity. I have some good news and bad news for you today. Do you want the good news or the bad news first? Yep, you like it like I like it. Give me the bad news first. The bad news is we're gonna go into one of perhaps the darkest years our culture has ever seen. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. There is no darkness that can, under, under, that can undercut the light of Jesus Christ in every single one of you. Did you know that in the darkness is where the light is even greater? We have an opportunity like I believe we have never had in a generation to shine the light of Christ. But here's the thing, that light's not gonna come from your good ideas. It's not even gonna come from your preferred political party. It's not gonna come from the behaviors and customs of this world. It's gonna come through God and his word. The word says that everything's gonna pass away. All the things you and I worry about, they're not gonna be anything in the end, but God's word is going to remain. Here's what I know about following Jesus now for nearly 30 years. That is, I've remained tethered to scripture, no matter what the storm is, I've always come out stronger and God has always performed greater and greater on my behalf. And I believe he wants to do it with you as well. It's one of the reasons why I love the book. I love the Bible. I love this book more than anything. It provides incredible clarity. For those of you who may just be getting started in the word of God, you've got to understand that the word of God is not just a book that you read. It's a book that actually reads you. It's not just a book about what happened in some distant ancient place. It's an eternal book that teaches you and I, if we'll lean into it and we'll learn it, it teaches us what always happens. And when we learn what always happens, we can prepare ourselves to be positioned for God's blessing this year. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 119, 105. He says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. One of the things I learned early on in my faith, when I first gave my life to Christ, I used to always pray prayers like this. God, just bless me. When I was single, I would say, God, give me a wife and please make sure she's pretty. Come on. I even had a list. Come on. God, I want you to bless what I'm doing. If you could just bless what I'm doing, I, 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 can, I can do all of these great things for you. But as I matured and I began to learn God's word, Here's what I realized about scripture and about how God works. God is never going to orbit your universe. There's a better prayer. There's a better prayer than God bless me. You know what it is? God, show me what you already bless. God, give me the humility and the patience to put down what I think and what I want and to put myself under your word. Did you know that when you're under the truth of scripture, your life is blessed? Every mature believer in here knows that. And we're going into a time and a season where that's more needed than ever before. You know, the Bible's full of life templates for success. There's all kinds of incredible 
patterns. I'm going to give you just a few, but there are literally hundreds, perhaps thousands of these patterns that I believe God wants to show you in this new year. The first one is uh, spirit, soul, and body. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in this situation where you're like kind of wondering like, is that God or is that just me? The Bible says you and I are created in the image of God. So doesn't it stand to reason that just like our kids reflect us, we reflect God as well. The Bible says in Thessalonians that you and I are created by God's spirit, soul, and body. That's incredibly important to you understanding how God works in your life. You'll be confused if you don't understand. Your spirit is the part of you that connects with God. Before Jesus, it was dead in sin. It was dead. There was nothing there. When you give your life to Christ, Jesus told Nicodemus, I call him Nick for short, in John 3, 3, that you've got to be born again of the spirit. That born again experience is your spirit becoming alive. Now your spirit has to contend with for the rest of your life, bringing your soul and your body into submission. That's important for you to understand. All the people that struggle with anxiety, with fear, with depression. I love that word that was given just a minute ago. Did you know that there are 366 times in scripture where God says, fear not. Why does that matter for 2024? I don't know if you know this, but it's a leap year. It's one for every single day and leap year this year. 366 times in the Bible, fear not. Because where there is fear, faith cannot be there. It doesn't mean that there won't be times where we get scared, but we've got to learn to bring that fear under submission to the part of us that connects with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Maybe you've struggled. Like, is it from God? What are these feelings for? I'm overcoming anxiety, fear, all of that. Your soul is where your mind, your will, and your emotions are. This is important. It's your thinker, your, your feeler, and your chooser, okay? You've got to learn to change the way you think. Your body, man, it has all kinds of appetites. You know, there are three things that always come against your flesh. There are three. The lust of the flesh, we have that when we're young, don't we? Come on. We've got to overcome that. But then gravity starts taking hold about midlife. Come on. <laughs> then we have the lust of the eyes. We're not as far as our neighbor is. We're tempted to be resentful. Look over the fence. I want green grass like that while ignoring the reality that ours would be green too if we would just water it. Think about that. And then when you get older, you gotta watch out for this. You gray hairs and no hairs, come on. You have the pride of life. You can't be taught anything. You can't grow. I thought about this earlier, you know? You can grow old, but you can't be old. You know what it means to not be old? You're always learning. You're growing. You know, these young people have something to, to show you too. You know, it's interesting when you walk into a house that hasn't had little kids in it for a while. You know, they're worried about knocking over stuff. I had one person, we had a little kids over at the brand new house and they said, could you tell your two-year-old son not to touch the walls? Cause I don't want the oil from his fingers on the new paint. That's how you get the older you get. That's why kids, they come in and mess it up. Come on. They mess it up. They make you take yourself a little less seriously. It's a powerful thing, but you've got to understand spirit, soul, and body. If you're ever going to walk with God, one of the best things you can do as a believer is you can remember that there is a God in heaven and you are not him. Did you know we forget that? I forget that. I'm doing all this stuff and God's bringing success. And sometimes I can put my heart, my trust into the success he gives and not into him. We know this is true. How do you know you're not God? Well, first of all, you're not all present. You're not everywhere and all time, all at once. Do you know that? This is great for those of you who have a past. Because you can't change the past any more than you can unscramble eggs. You can't do it. But Jesus redeemed the past. You know what? You can be anxious and fearful about the future all you want, but you'll never be there. But the Bible says Jesus went to prepare a place for us. You're only where your feet are. You're only in the present. That's how you know you're not God. You start worrying too much about the future. You start despairing too much about the past. 
You have to ask, you have to tell yourself, there's a God in heaven, everyone say it with me, and I am not him. It's a, it's, it's a big deal. What about omniscience? God is all knowledge. As smart as you are and as smart as the smartest person in this world is, as smart as Elon Musk is, he's got nothing on God. He's all knowledge. You know, the, 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 the people who started the scientific revolution, I don't have a degree in theology, but I do have a degree in history. And, and those were Bible-believing Christians. They really were. They had their issues. They had their quirks, like all of us do. You know, some were Pentecostal, some were Baptist. Come on. <laughs> all right. But they understood that, you know, they could understand the universe. Why? Because there was a God in heaven that designed it a certain way. That's the scientific revolution. God's omniscient, meaning, here's this is big for you. If you don't know what to do, did you know James says, if any of you lack wisdom, all you have to do is ask. And he won't be like I am with my kids when they keep asking, you know, and I say, go away, come on. Now the Bible says God will give graciously all the wisdom that you need if you just keep asking. Everyone say, I'm not God. It's good. Say it again, I'm not God. Oh, it's so good. That'll be perfect for the new year, right? Did you know that God's all powerful too? He's omnipotent. That you can't possibly solve all the issues going on in our world. You can't possibly, you, don't, you just don't have it. You know, I have people that talk about prayer a lot. They're like, yeah, I just don't want to bother God with my little things. And I started thinking, I think you've misunderstood who God is. Did you know God can answer your prayer, your prayer, your prayer, even your prayer? He can all at the same time and doesn't even break a sweat. He can give you answers to all of your problems. Why? Because he's all powerful. These templates guide our entire life. The one who learns them, right? succeeds and the one who doesn't, doesn't. It's like when God says, I've sat before you, I love it, open book test. I've sat before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He even says, my desire, oh, that you would choose life, God says. But heaven and earth stand to witness your decision. You can have the greatest life ever this year, but it won't be on your terms. It'll be on God's terms. For the next few moments, I wanna give you really three things looking at my counter, make sure I'm good on time. I wanna do three things. First, I wanna show you a simple and clear mission that God gives to every single believer. The word of God says in Matthew 6, that we're to seek first, everyone say first. First, first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all of the things we worry about, all the things we wonder about, then they'll get taken care of. But as a believer, you've gotta understand what is it that God commands every believer to do? Next, I wanna give you a template for how God works to transform your life. It has been the game changer in my life and it will bless you. And then finally, I wanna give you a practical process that I've used for about the last 10 years to really determine, God, what are you calling me specifically to do this year? First, let's talk about three commands of Jesus to every single believer. How many of you, by a show of hands, you've ever heard of the Great Commission, right? It's a passage in Matthew 28. But did you know that there are actually three commands that Jesus gives? They're all given after he is resurrected and before he ascends on the Mount of Olives. They are given just so that it's clear to Matthew, Mark, and Luke in order, just so that we would have a clear picture of exactly what it is God has called every single one of us to do as believers. The first one is this. He commands us to preach the gospel. What's the gospel? Genesis 1 all the way through to the end of Revelation. It's all of it. 
Jesus appears to his disciples the night of the resurrection. Maybe you remember this in Mark chapter 16. They're terrified. They put all their hope in him and then they saw him crucified. Not to mention that they were all covered in shame because they all ran away scared. They were in the upper room, likely where they had had Passover. The door was locked. They just saw their master canceled. Does that sound familiar? They are not saying anything. They're terrified. And Jesus, you might remember, in his glorified body, walks through the wall. I can't wait to do that. That's gonna be so exciting. He walks through the wall and he says this to them. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. He essentially says, don't shut up no matter what. Keep preaching, keep being bold. And you know, he also says, as you're proclaiming him, the same people that hated him are gonna hate you too. He says this, and it's incredible. He says, woe, not woke, woe is a bad thing. <laughs> woe when everyone speaks well of you. Woe, because you're doing something wrong. That's the foundation of what God's called the church to be. It's one of the things I love about your pastor. I love this church. I tune into him regularly because there's times where I need worship just like we experienced. There's times when I need a fresh word for faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. He comes by hearing. For, the, for those of you who don't read good, that's good news. Come on. <laughs> you got to hear it. What are you hearing? Right? What are you focusing on? Is faith being developed in your life? We've got to preach the gospel. The next commandment he gives two weeks later on the Sea of Galilee. You might remember this. This is likely the same place where he called the original disciples, specifically Peter. Peter did what most of us do when we get started and it doesn't go the way we thought, you know. We have people in our church that come into an area we call the guest suite pretty regularly. You can always tell the people who are coming from another church almost right away. The first thing they wanna say is how incredible our church is. I mean, I see it all the time. They're just like, pastor, that was the greatest message ever. They're absolutely, I, I just, I've been looking for this church for so long. My other church, man, they suck. You know, they're horrible. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Man, they're, they're awful. They gossip, they cheat, they steal. And I'm thinking in my mind, oh, don't worry, they're here too. Come on, somebody. <laughs> when somebody lets us down, what do we do? We get started on our faith, but then we go back to doing what we were doing before. That's exactly what Peter did. He disappointed Christ, denied him three times. Jesus meets him at the same place he called him. Remember when he said, you're not gonna fish for fish, you're gonna fish for men? He goes back and he asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? By the third time, Peter goes, Lord, that's what he probably should have done the night of the, the, crucif you know, the, night of the betrayal. God, you know everything. You know my heart. You know I love you. He said, feed my lambs. He calls him and he gives him, he adds to the commandment. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all. Everyone say all. Now, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I do know a little bit about Greek uh, and Aramaic. Um, all in the original language means all. <laughs> all. Same word. All authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go. Everyone say go. Go, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. It's not just about preaching. You've got to teach them because they're messy. They smell like fish. Sin. You know, the fishy smell of sin. I imagine that's what sin smells like. For all you fishermen, I don't understand. But anyways, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And he says this, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As you know, as believers, it isn't just enough to speak the truth. God requires you to actively engage in raising the family. 
rolling up your sleeves and doing for someone else what was done for you. But then it doesn't stop there. Just before ascending on the Mount of Olives, Jesus commands his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem until I send the helper, the Holy Spirit. Act in the power of the Holy Spirit. For what 2024 has in store for us, we will not be able to do it on our own. We won't be able to do it through willpower, or as we say in Texas, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. We're going to need the supernatural power of God. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, the book of Acts was written by Luke. In the original uh, scrolls, it was actually combined. They used to call it Luke-Acts. It's the same author. Jesus says this in Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power. Everyone say power. power. Come on, power, we're gonna need it. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What's his power for? For me? Nope. It's to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, even when they're trying to cancel you even when they're trying to keep your faith in the walls of the church, even when you're scared, even when you're not really sure what to say or what will happen at work. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Those three things are vital to your success this year. They are the mission of every believer, and it's the mission of every Bible-believing, spirit-filled church. And I am so glad that Jubilee Fellowship is one of those. We've got to remain focused through all the noise this year on the commands given to us to preach, to make, and to act. So we understand God's command to every believer. I want to show you for the next few moments how God transforms you. Because if you don't understand the process of transformation, you're not going to be any help to anybody. If you don't know how to put your mask on first, right, you're gonna pass out before you can help the people next to you put theirs on. Romans chapter 12, verse two has been a life verse for me for many years. And for years, I would quote this scripture and I missed something so incredible until this last year, God showed me something. Romans 12, two says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How many of you wanna know God's good, pleasing and perfect will for you? That was the most exciting part of that scripture. I would claim it over my life. Earlier this year, God showed me that I missed the formula. I missed what was required for lasting transformation to happen. For more than just behavior modification that we do for a little while, you know, like a new year's resolution. I'm sure you're already thinking about them. By the way, you'll probably stop doing them by about 1st or 2nd of February. Come on. I'm sorry, it's true. Look what he says. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. You know, the first requirement for us as believers, for God to transform our lives, is we have to resist the behaviors and customs of this world. Resist is active. Don't copy them. You can't, see, here's what many of us do. We, get, we give our lives to Christ right? And we, but we keep building on the same foundation we had before. So it's like we're building this Christian life on a secular chassis. We're thinking like the world, thinking that we can actually be light to the world. It won't work that way. You see, the first requirement to following Jesus is to reject the behavior and customs of this world. The next requirement is you have to let God. God's not a bully. He's not a tyrant. You know, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We had everybody. I mean, we had the the people from the Appalachians with the stakes, come on. 
We had laughing church. We had everything. I mean, it's like the Vegas strip of Christianity. Come on. And, and I'll be honest with you. Like I, 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 I thought to myself, I'm like, God's like just going to take possession of me, you know? God's just going to make me do something. I was always nervous about that. But then I started to learn about the character of God. God doesn't do that. The greatest gift God ever gave you is the ability to choose him. He will never force you to do anything against your will. Not only do you reject the customs of this world, but you have to actually cooperate with God in your life. Not your pastor, not your husband, not your mom or your dad or your grandma or your grandpa, not your friend. You have to allow God personally in. You have to open up your heart to let him transform you. How does he do that? By changing the way you think. He doesn't do that by first changing your actions. Pastor Terry, you can attest to this. A lot of discipleship, man, you expect new believers to come in, man. They don't, listen, everyone changes painfully, slowly, and over a great distance of time. Some days you go nine steps forward and you take eight and three quarters back. We've got to allow God to transform us by changing the way we think. It's from that place we can learn God's will for our lives. And in case you were wondering, God's will for you is good. God's will for you is pleasing, not just to him, but to you. And it's absolutely perfect. It was made just for you. So how does God transform you real quick? First, we see the Bible changes how you think. The word of God changes how you think. How do you reject the behaviors and customs of this world? It's not just about saying no. It's about replacing them with the right way to think. That's the power of God's word. My encouragement to you this year is take God's word seriously. It's not optional. It's not in part. It's all, I love this passage in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture, same ancient word means the same thing. All scripture, all scripture, even the scripture you don't understand. This is huge for you if you're just getting started reading the Bible. When there's something in there you don't understand, assume it's you and not God. Humble yourself and ask for wisdom. Ask your pastor, ask your small group leader. Ask somebody, keep knocking. We've got to take God's word seriously. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our life. It's not just the good stuff. Do you know God's a winner? Have you ever thought about this? You know, they're real down on the patriarchy, and men, but, but men love to win, come on. We love to win, a bunch of army people. That's why we love sports, you know? Right, to sin is to miss the target. I mean, we love targets. It's great, I mean, everything. It's a basketball hoop, it's a goal, we love it, Right? All scripture, it teaches us also what's wrong. You know, there are times in your life where you're gonna see patterns where you continually fail. This is really hard, but you have to remember God's a winner and if you're losing, it's your fault. I know, don't worry, I'm leaving. Somebody else is gonna come next week, it'll be good. I don't usually get a lot of amens, but it's from that place of honesty that God will transform you. If you can't be honest, God can't do anything with you. It's like you look into a mirror, James says, and it shows you exactly what's wrong and, and gives you some clues on how to fix it. But you're like the person who walks away and you forgot what you just saw in the mirror. So many people are like that and they're in these patterns of sin. It corrects us more wrong and it teaches us to do what's right. Next, the Holy Spirit gives you vision. This is huge. The Holy Spirit gives you vision. John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, Jesus says he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority for whatever he will speak, whatever he hears rather, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you right where you are. 
The Bible changes how you think, but listen to me. God wants to say something to your situation. In a room like this, I can't possibly, no pastor can. No pastor can possibly know exactly where you're at, but there is a God in heaven. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead resides in you. And that if you'll change the way you think and you'll order your life after scripture, God will speak to you right where you are. I can't tell you whether or not you should take that job. The Holy Spirit has a answer. I can't tell you whether or not it's time to speak up at work. I can't tell you, I can't tell you what to say when you're dragged out in front of people. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit can. And you've got to learn to invite him in to your life this year. And then finally, the church becomes the vehicle for kingdom authority and action. There are lots of studies, lots of statistics about the church declining. It's not true. What God can do with a remnant of people committed to his word and empowered by the Holy Spirit is unbelievable. It's garbage. It's garbage. The local church is the hope of the world. Where do you think you learn? Where do you think you exercise? This place is a greenhouse for you. And you know what? There are messed up people in here just like you, just like me. And if it was a perfect church, the moment you walked into it, it's not perfect no more. It's just how it works. And you know what God does though with your rough edges and my rough edges? They start filing each other down. This was my experience in this place and without it, nothing God's done in our life would be where it is today. I would still be some disgruntled teenage kid with an attitude. It's the truth. What happens, we love this scripture, iron sharpens iron, you know, it's like, yeah, I want that. Have you ever watched that? There are sparks flying everywhere. There are, I mean, there are like brush fires. There are all kinds of things. The staff and the ministry team here, like they are professional spiritual firefighters. Come on. That's your job. Why? Because God's working in your midst. If you quit early, if you disdain the body, I think about this sometimes. What if God was as loyal to us as we are to our brothers and sisters in Christ? We'll be shocked one day when we get to heaven. God's incredibly loyal. It's amazing to me in my house. Listen, we can fight. We can put each other in headlocks. We can mouth off. Anybody messes with my family, it's on. I, th- I teach our kids this. this is, I do. I can, listen, you can argue with your brother and sister. You can mouth off. The moment anybody else does, it's over. That's how the body of Christ should be. Did you know it's unity, not diversity, that makes us strong? Diversity is not, not celebrated in scripture at all. It's a behavior and custom of this world. It's not. Did you know you're diverse, not because of anything you did? That's the grace of God for you. We all have different gifts. We all were born in different regions and different areas. We all have different aptitudes. We all have different personalities. Like those are a gift from God. You know what you have to fight for? You don't have to fight to be diverse. You have to fight to be unified. You know why? Because we all got a different opinion. <laughs> because we struggle, because there's things that we have to fight for. Do you know, the body of Christ, you have to learn to fight for unity inside the house before you can shine light outside of it. It's a greenhouse. This place taught me that and it matters because that's my number one job in Harker Heights, Texas. It's just keeping us unified, moving in the right direction. Ephesians 4.11 says this, and he, Jesus himself, by the way, he didn't delegate this. The Bible says Jesus himself gave these gifts. You have a problem with them? You should go to him. That's Ephesians 4.11. It is. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work. I love that. You know how you spell spell spiritual growth? W-O-R-K. In you, in them, in everyone. It's work. You equip them 
for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity. See that? It doesn't say till we're all diverse. It doesn't say that. Till every opinion is celebrated. Not all opinions are equal. Namely those that don't line up with scripture. You need a church full of leaders who are bold enough to tell you, yeah, that's not a biblical idea and it's kind of stupid. Yeah, I know, I said it. Unity of faith in the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed about to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by the craftiness and deceitful schemes. I'm gonna give you a little bit of an illustration then I'm gonna land the plane. Here's a, a picture, an illustration. The Bible changes the way we think. The Holy Spirit gives us vision to see. I think I have a, a diagram. If you can pull that up, that'd be great. Maybe not. The Bible teaches us how to think. The Holy Spirit gives us vision for our life and the local church equips us to do the work of the ministry. As I close, I'm gonna just share a template. I've brought um, several of these. These are gonna be at the information booth. This is something that I've put together for our staff team, something we use. Uh, they're personal vision worksheets. I wanna just challenge you to just think about something practically this year. This has some worksheets in there that you can use, uh, but it's really three parts. Personal vision is so, so important. First, you've got to discover the why of your life. One of the things I challenge people on our team to do is remember that one day, should the Lord tarry, they're gonna die. And somebody is gonna have to get up and either tell the truth about them or lie about them. What do you want that truth to be? I have every one of our staff, members of our church, people that I coach, I say, I want you to write your eulogy. What would God say about you? What would your wife say about you? What would your kids say? What would your community say? What would your pastor say? What would your coworker say or your friend? Unbelievable how clarifying that is, how simplifying it just moves your life. And then I challenge them to determine the what and the how of their life. That's all about setting priorities. I challenge them to set five to seven a year. Look at them four times a year, set realistic goals. What are the priorities? If I wanna get there one day, what do I do? What are the things I need to focus on? You want a great marriage? Guess what? You need to focus on that because it won't just happen accidentally. Anybody who married, who's married knows that's true. It takes a lot of work. If you wanna be a great witness for Christ, you wanna be used by God to do incredible things, it won't happen overnight. You've gotta focus on it. And then finally, I challenge them to develop the who of your life. How many of you, by show of hands, as we close, you want God to do something incredible in your life this year? If it's God, it's too big for you. He brings you around other people. You gotta start thinking about those people. You gotta start looking around and appreciating the relationships that you have. Stop worrying about what you don't have. Start developing what you do have. It's amazing how when you identify those relationships, those mentors in your life, those close friends, those people who are looking to you on how to live and how to grow. It's amazing how clarifying that is in the new year. I believe, I believe with all my heart, this year for the church is gonna be one of the greatest years we've ever experienced. And it's not gonna be because of some amazing message by some preacher. That's gonna be great. Our faith is gonna be encouraged, but it's gonna be because the individual members of our church step up and join the body. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for the power of your word. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in this incredible church. God, to be back here feels like I'm home. I love these people. 25 years, they've been faithful to empowering all generations. Father, I'm living proof that it works. 
You don't see it the first year, the fifth year, many times, not even the 10th. But God, if we're faithful in planting the seeds, that seed will grow up and that fruit will remain. I pray, Father, for each and every person you've called here. I pray, Jesus, you would continue to pour out your spirit on this church, that they would go into 2024 full of boldness and faith. God, I also pray for anybody in here that doesn't know you. I pray, God, that they would not leave this place the same way that they came in. I want us all to stay in an attitude of prayer, all of our heads bowed, eyes closed for just a few moments. We're almost finished. Maybe you're in here and you're far from God. Listen, I don't have to single you out. I don't have to call you up. I don't have to ask you an awkward question. You know in your heart if you're playing with God. Maybe at one point you followed Christ, but you're not following him today. You've allowed the behaviors and the customs of this world to knock you off track. It's time to come home. Maybe you're in here and you've never given your life to Christ and it's because of your own pride. There is a God in heaven and you are not him. And one day you will stand before him and give an account and you will be with no one else and without excuse, the scripture says. Humble yourself, surrender your life to Christ. The Bible says that if we confess Jesus as the Lord of our life, that if we believe that what the Bible says about him is true, that he died on the cross for every one of our sins, that he rose from the dead and conquered the grave on our behalf, that if we put our life in his hands, he'll give it back to us so much better. And his heads are bad, eyes are closed. Listen, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you forward, but I am gonna pray for you. Jesus said that those who acknowledge him before men, he'll acknowledge before the father, but those who don't, he won't. If you're in here today and you say, pastor, I'm far from God. I don't wanna be, and you'd want my prayer. Would you just acknowledge that by putting up your hand just halfway? Is there anybody in here like that? Thank you, I see you. You just put it up and put it back down. I see you, I see you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're not the only one. It's the biggest lie the devil tells. Is there anyone else? You'd say, pastor, that's me. I want 2024 to be a year where I'm right with God. Is there anybody else before we change you over the service? Thank you. In a moment, we're gonna pray a prayer. If you raised your hand and you really meant it, allow this prayer to be an expression of your heart. I want you to repeat it just loud enough where you can hear your own voice. The believers around you are gonna pray it with you in faith so as to encourage you. But believe it with all your heart. I believe it's the power of God to meet you right where you are. But you know, God doesn't just meet you where you are to leave you there. And neither is this church. They're gonna come alongside you and help you grow. But first, we have to get right with God. Church, we believe in what they're doing. Let's pray this prayer all together. Let's pray, Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for living a perfect life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I believe that you are God and I believe you're good. I believe that what the Bible says about you is true. You died for my sins on the cross. And you conquered death once and for all to give me eternal life. And so today, of my own free will, I choose to make you my Lord, my Savior, and my King. Lead me and guide me. Show me what's next. It's in your name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's put it together. Come on.